It's not about besting the enemy. It's not about becoming better than someone else. What it is, is about learning how to get better yourself every day. And here at Achieve Greater, we connect amazing and awesome people with amazing, awesome people who need them. So stay tuned, listen closely, and watch as your life unfolds through our next guest. Hey, welcome everybody. I just want to say thank you for stopping by and joining us today. I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Dan McPherson. Dan is a calm and clarity coach. And what I mean by this is he is nothing like me. Okay. Like I am always calm on the inside, but I'm like this chaotic mess on the outside. But Dan has a way of helping you maintain your calm, have great clarity and focus so that you can actually achieve success much quicker in a much more effective way. So with that, Dan, welcome. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself today. Hey, thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And for me, like I just love helping people. That is, that is really the short version of myself. My, my core number one core belief in the world is that people matter most and relationships are everything. And I take that to as much of an extreme as I possibly can, because like you, I'm a very calm, quiet guy and, <laughs> uh, and have hardly anything going on. But I help people exactly like you said. I help them find their calm and kind of become the calm as well, which draws other people to you, help them understand their next steps and have clarity around that, and then focus upon one of those with just laser focus to create true momentum, because that's really the only path to true momentum. Oh, I love that. So how did you end up going from, from a youth, because we know all of us as youths, we're, we're chaotic in nature. Our energy is all over the place. Our focus is everywhere. How did you actually end up coming into a position of being a calm and clarity coach? Yeah, <laughs> no one would have predicted that. If anyone told you that I was patient, calm, anything like that, they everyone would have laughed at you, probably even a few years ago, much less as a youth. I grew up with a lot of chaos around me. And I think maybe that led to a, a lot to where I am now is that I was able to see patterns in the chaos and eventually recognize them in myself. But I was impatient. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was all the things that many, many of us go through. And then I went into the corporate world and I was for 25 years, I was, I don't know, maybe beaten into a mold that I knew I didn't fit. And I got out of, I got out of that. And six years ago, I started my company and left this crazy amazing corporate career that I'd done really well at to go do something that I thought would matter in the world. And I had to figure out what that was. I knew it was helping people, but I wasn't able to put words to it because I had a lot of skills and I, I had a lot of understanding and a lot of knowledge. I, I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, I did all those things. And when I paused about maybe a year ago, and I looked back and I said, what is the thing that I've helped all of the clients with? What are the threads that come through? And I truly found that it was calm and clarity. That was the thing that was really there. And I, I think it first came to light at the beginning of the pandemic when I was able to show them, or I was able to show my clients, I say them, but I was able to show my clients, if you find your calm, become the calm and be forward facing, that was the first way I really said it, that if you do that, you will come out of the pandemic or any other challenge in your life significantly ahead and that that decision is made at the beginning, not at the end. Mm, I love that. Could you, could you clarify that you said in forward facing? 
Right. Could you go into that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So when I first started saying this, now I would say calm, clarity, focus, true momentum. It's just a simpler path. Mm-hmm. But the but the three, finding your calm, becoming the calm, and being forward-facing is very important. And it the forward-facing is how do I look forward? How do I plan forward? How do I keep myself moving forward rather than being caught in the crisis of the moment, rather than being caught in the pain of the past? And it does require being present, which is interesting, right? I'm forward facing. I'm not forward living, right? I'm not living 10 years from now, even though I might plan there, I am living in the moment, but I'm aiming and moving forward. I love it. I love it. So, when you say you help people do that, uh, is, there, is there a process or is it just kind of, hey, we, we hop on a call and we just kind of, you know, we work through stuff or do you have like a process that you take them through? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a structure guy and I will say that my process is flexible because I've learned that people are different. And I like, I work with clients across now more than 30 industries and in more than 40 countries. And so their, their situations may start out sounding different. Therefore I'm flexible with maybe the, in the entry, if Mm. that makes sense. But the formula is exactly what I was sharing a moment ago. First, we start with calm. If you are not calm, if you're stuck in anxiety, you're stuck in overwhelm, or or you're stuck in this spinning frenetic energy, it is incredibly difficult to move forward to the next step and have the clarity and focus that you need. So the one of the first things we do, even though it isn't necessarily called that all the time, because not everyone responds well to that language, is help you find your calm. Now, it may feel like we're talking about, oh, let's understand our vision. Let's start down that path. But it's all about, even when I teach time effectiveness, not time management, mind you, time effectiveness, it's about the about how do we get to a space where we are calm? Because when we are, we're more efficient, more effective. Then it's clarity. It's how do I know that one point, that North Star that I'm aiming at so that I can reverse engineer everything to then? So I ensure that everything that I'm working on actually contributes to the goal that I'm aiming at instead of me being like the old Mexican jumping beans and going all over and just bouncing around. How do I make sure that I'm going the right way? And if you reverse engineer things, it's infinitely easier. And then the, then the third is focus. How do we take it instead of focusing on, I like to use the example of five tasks that are a week long. If I focus upon one at a time consecutively, there I get one done in a week and five of them are done in five weeks. If I focus concurrently all at the same time, like most people want to do, then what happens is you actually lose efficiency. So it's 10 weeks before any of them are done and you lose anything that could have been momentum. So you apply that to pour all of your bucket of water that is your, that represents your resources onto one fire and make it go out. So you get control of the fires in your life. And then if you cycle that, it will create true momentum. Mm, I love it. Yeah, because I'm, I'm big about momentum. Um, in fact, when I start falling down the stairs, I take it all the way <laughs> to the bottom. Been there. Um, <laughs> right? We, uh, <clears throat> we, we chatted about this a little bit just pre, pre, pre-interview about how I fell out of a tree. You know, I'm not the lazy guy. A lot of people, they fall out of the tree and they go thud, right? Not me. I fall out of a tree and they go boom, 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 thud. You know, I try to hit as many branches as I can on the way down. You want to test that tree, make sure it's solid. That's right, right? You know, make sure I didn't have any dead branches left in the tree. But um, in in the same way in our businesses, you know, we've got to make sure that when we start something, that we got to have something that drives us forward. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I fell into the trap. <laughs> uh, let's do nine different social media platforms all at the same time and just like be everywhere at all times and be seen by everybody, which translate be everywhere at all times and be seen by nobody. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that. And I'm like, man, I'm working so hard to get nowhere. Hey, wait, I could get nowhere doing nothing. I think I'm going to go hang out with my kids. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and I did, I just, I just took a couple months and I just went and spent time with my family. Cause it's like, if and you made the, the same work, amount of progress, except more because you were so much happier. <clears throat> yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to go back to work. <laughs> right. And I know most people are like, how could you do that? Well, <laughs> that's a whole different story, but right. how can you go? How can you, how could I go back to work until I figure out what I need to be doing when I'm there? Yes. Because it's not like I went to another job where somebody else told me what to do. I've been working for myself for years. I mean, when, when I don't want to go to work, my boss rips me a new one and tells me to go to work. <laughs> like, even when I don't feel like it, I literally will chew myself up and be like, you need to get your butt up and get to work. You yep. got to go do it. And it was hard to start. It was really hard to do that because it, I'd rather go hang out with my kids. Well, overcoming go, the momentum of zero yeah. is one of the is yeah. one of the toughest things you can do. Yeah, and but then it was just like you know what? Every morning I'm going to get up at exactly the same time. And my wife asked her, she goes, "What are you going to do at four o'clock in the morning?" I says, "Get up." That's it. I'm going to get up. She goes, "Yeah, but why are you getting up at four a.m. to start?" All right. Start what? I just start getting up. <laughs> you know, structure drives <clears throat> behavior. Yep. And so once I, once I started to institute these patterns, I was like, oh, these patterns actually, they're, they're, they drive us forward. Yes. And <clears throat> you ever hear a car? This is my favorite one about momentum. Do you ever hear a car start? <laughs> and if it's my brother's, it goes, <laughs> and then stops. But everybody else's, it just goes, <laughs> and all of a sudden, now it's like the engine needs to be working. It just right. roars and revs. And I try and remember that, you know, if I'm going to fire on all eight cylinders, I got to remember there's eight cylinders I got to get moving. Or like a lot of semi drivers in northern Wisconsin up in, up in the north, they just never turn their truck off. <laughs> right. Even, even overnight, they don't turn the engine off because it's too hard on the engine to actually start it up from cold. Right. So I, I love the fact that you say it's, you know, it's about getting that, that, that momentum and getting that started that <laughs> the momentum from zero is, is that how you, how'd you yeah, put overcome that? it, overcome the momentum of zero. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, I would also say that just, I, I love what you mentioned about getting up and, and I'm not a 4am guy, let me be clear, but I, <laughs> but I am a consistency guy. I believe consistency beats intensity every time. I also very much believe that structure drives behavior. And one of the most, one of the best things we can do is establish the tent poles in our lives that allow us to have a place of calm in our life in the middle of the storm that we live in. And those tent poles are things like gratitude, growth, exercise, the things that you can stably count on every day that may annoy you. You may not naturally want to do them, but when you do, they change your brain chemistry and they allow you to be calm and allow you to succeed. Mm, yeah. I love that. Tent poles. Tent poles. I like it. I'm a very visual guy. So I'm like, you know, this is the shelter. This is like the canopy yep. that over- just overshadows everything in my life. So um, before you got there, like what were some things that you had to overcome in your life? I mean, like you said, even just a few years back, people were like, shit, clarity, calm. No, not him. 
Yeah. Like, what did you what did you have to deal with in, inside to actually overcome that and say, this is what I want to do and this is who I want to be? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind for that. I, the first is I just had to overcome the complete and utter insecurity. And in my case, I, I, it was, as so many people, it was ego representing, right? If you see ego, it is always, I would, I would argue, it is always covering insecurity. And so I had this deep-seated insecurity of, do I have skill? Uh, you know, why would I matter? All of those things that, that look different in different people, but really come out the same. And I had to get past that. I had to, in my case, I kind of had to break and then figure out, well, what did it mean? And go through this personal development process. For some people, it's not nearly as dramatic, but getting over that insecurity to where I got comfortable in my own skin. And then I, what I, the way I describe it is I found my personal resonance. And now I actually teach a, a class that's a five-step process to go from where you are to finding your personal resonance. And it involves everything from finding your North Star to, uh, to developing your core values and key principles and your why, what, and how statement and these, and your authenticity assessment, all of these things. I went through that process over years that I now help people do in a couple of weeks, which is whole thing, right? I didn't learn fast, but once I learn it, I can show other people. Right. And I, that was a big part of what I had to overcome. And then I did have to overcome the ingrained things that a lot of people believe aren't changeable or that they don't have control over. And mm -hmm. I, I believe very passionately that life is 10% what happens and 90% how we respond. But going further with that, I believe that why would I ever go to Vegas and bet my life on the 10%? In other words, you know, don't, don't lose to the 10 because the 90 is all that matters. And I understood that I could move from impatience to eagerness. And once I understood that, that was one of the biggest transitions of my life. And that changed everything because now I said, wait, everybody says I'm impatient as if they can't change it. And I had a core shift in my life that, that allowed me to do that. Those plus clearly knowing as part of the first process, my core values that people matter most and relationships are everything meant that I no longer have to make decisions because they're made. There you go. I like it. Yeah. I, I love, I love the shift. I love seeing it in other people. I love hearing about your individual shifts from people. Um, the just, just shifting into that eager state. It's just the way that we shift things. Like for me, it was anxiety shifted to excitement. Like the chemical, the chemistry, it's all exactly the same. Right. But I realized all of those feelings and when somebody shared that with you, I'm like, yeah, no, you, you got that all screwed up. He says, think about the time that you were most afraid. And I was like, okay, public speaking, that's easy. You know, because like, that was the biggest thing. Five people in a room and I was terrified. You want me to stand in front of 5,000 and sing? Like, are you nuts? Right? Did I do it? Yes. But I, I know that, that feeling that, that inside. Right. He goes, all right. He says, now hold that feeling. He says, you told me you, you used to just stay up all night out of excitement because you get to go to camp every year. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, hold the feeling and think about the night before camp. And I just sat there for a second, he looks at me, he goes, nothing changed, did it? I'm like, no, it's the same feeling. The feeling was exactly the same. And I realized it was the meaning that I had assigned to that feeling. 
that changed how I responded to the feeling. And that's what I love about your the shifting to the eagerness. And, you know, that for me, that's just another one of those shifts. And we talked about this right. before, but where I was like, okay, anticipation, eagerness, I'm looking forward to something. Then I don't have to worry about anything if I just expect something to happen. And now I'm just looking forward for it. Right. You know, and for me, it's like, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm looking forward for it. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm awaiting that unveiling of that thing in my life. And, you know, like everything else, we got to actually do the unveiling sometimes. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> You feel like there's a hard shell that you just can't crack, just fall out of a tree. Well, and I, I think you <laughs> highlight something to fall. Yeah, maybe, or maybe don't fall out of a tree. Yeah. But, but I, I, I do think that it was something that you said there is really, it's so crucial, which is when you, when you are hitting a barrier, ask what shift, what's the shift, right? If you can identify what the shift is, then you can learn how to make the shift. But if you see it only as a barrier, you're looking at it in this, in this, single ply statement or this this one dimensional statement but if you can see it as a barrier it's almost like it turns and you just go oh i can just step around the wall yep yep that that's that's a great analogy i, I like using the wall for a lot of people i says you know oftentimes people sit there and try and you know with a sledgehammer just trying to break right. through the wall in their life you know they're just trying to get through and trying to get through and trying to get through and i'm the guy that walks up and like hey guys uh there's a door right over there's there. a door right over there. Yeah. No. It's unlocked. Go use it. You know? And that's because I had somebody like that in my life and they taught me, you know, sometimes you. when you're, when you hit that obstacle, just step back, answer calm, <laughs> right. right? Calm down, relax for a second, let everything settle and then take a look. Um, Lao Tzu said it best in my opinion. He said, muddy water, let stand becomes clear. Hmm. He says, step back and wait for all the dust to settle and you'll have a clear vision of what you need to do next. And that's that calm and clarity that you're talking about. I think it was beautifully embodied uh, by Lao Tzu in that statement. It's like, you know, just let it stand. It will become clear, but stop. Just stop for a minute. Stop the emotion, stop the anxiety, stop the stress, stop the have to get it done and just go. And also I, becomes I love every bit of that, right? I, you, when you do that, I, I talk about people having an opportunity to employ and interrupt, give themselves a, a chance to get out of their emotion and into the, and into the object, objectivity. And I, I've had to do that when I was in sales, right? I would do an hour and a half presentation and I was straight commission and I'd get to the end and I'd present the price and they'd say, and they'd look at me and say, I want to think about it. And I'd like lean up and go, what do you want to think about? Right. And like, I'm like, I'm like, why? I just did a beautiful presentation. You should be buying right now. And what I realized is if I just paused for a second and a half and I had to, I had to insert something that in my case, it was crossing my leg and sitting back and taking one breath that made me break out of the emotion and into the object, the objective place that if I did that, I was just able to have a conversation and be there and help people. And rather than being confrontational or running away or anything like that, I was just able to have a conversation and my close rate skyrocketed because I was still in the space of helping people. And I think in that sense, we, as long as we remain, as long as we take that space to get to this point of objectivity, we remain in the space of helping ourselves. We're the people. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I, I love I love the pattern interrupt. Uh, pattern interrupt is powerful in marketing and copywriting and video and music. You know, that's that's why we have the rips and things like that. It breaks the pattern. Well, we have we have this fun little pattern interrupt in our house, and I've got a three year old with a four year old, and a and a one year old and a <clears throat> year old. She's uh-huh. my wife, and uh, like if if I just feel like there's this stagnant energy in the house. I'll just walk in. Hopefully this doesn't get too loud. I'll just walk into the house and, go, and just pop it. Right. And all of a sudden from the other room, I'll hear my two kids. Woo, 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 daddy. And my wife will go, woo. Like, Shut up. And I'll be like, let's do it again. And what it does is it breaks everything that's happening in the house. Right. And humorously, they don't, they don't know what I'm doing. They think daddy's being goofy. My wife thinks I'm being goofy. What am I doing? When I do that, I unite everybody in the house in one thought and one mind. Everybody is on the same page. Now, that's nothing short of a miracle when you have two toddlers in the house. Right. Try and get you, your wife, and your two toddlers on the same page on anything at any given point. I'm troubled to get on my on the same page with myself sometimes. So right. Fair enough. That's a high so, challenge. So even for just that one moment where I walk in, be like, woo, and boom, everybody goes, right. Zero in together. Kids are arguing. I'll let one go from the other room. Woo. Boom. They stop. And woo. And if they don't stop, I'll be like, I didn't hear you. <laughs> and all of a sudden they'll jump in, but it's the pattern interrupt. And I That's think beautiful. If, if we do that more in our life, we'll realize that not only did the pattern interrupt isn't breaking the momentum, it's strengthening the cord that ties you together. Yeah. I, so it's a better I chance to be able that. to move forward together. There's, there's a, uh, a piece that I share that is spend two minutes to save two hours. If you find yourself sitting at a computer and kind of hunching over and all that, if even if you spend, there's a 30 second version and a two minute version, but the 30 second version mm-hmm. is just sit up really tall and do a, do a nice, uh, then uh, what is it? Do a stretch to your right with your neck and then turn your head to your left and then do three belly breaths and do right and left. And it's amazing how much objectivity you gain just from having done that interrupt. If that isn't enough, if you're feeling too stressed, go outside and walk one time around the building you're in. That's the two minutes. And once you've walked one time around the building you're in, you come in, you, it's amazing because you'll see, oh, there's trees here, not just the one I was hugging, but there's actually a whole forest. And <laughs> right? when the more that we do things like that, the more we find calm. One of my good friends, uh, uh, Nick Sweeno, who is, he's a martial artist and runs a number of businesses, really cool guy in, in his office, one of the, the, in one of the businesses he runs every hour, they take five minutes and move. And he does that so that they don't become stuck. Mm. And so they're doing a preventative interrupt. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's, <clears throat> we, we used to do that with the movers. Because <laughs> as 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 a household mover, you know, I was uh, I was the field trainer, right? Which means when guys came in, I had the ability to destroy them within the first forty eight hours and make them want to never come back. That would literally was my job. Uh, I sat down with with uh, the guys in the office, and they're like, "No, really, we, you know what's going to make a mover? All I ask, don't tell us what you do." but don't let them last if they're not going to last long-term. We're like, okay. 
So we'd be driving down the road, new guy in the truck, and I just, I'd slam him right in the middle of the thigh with a fist. Wow. And the buddy next to my, my partner, he would be sitting on the other side of the guy, crack, and he'd nail him right in the center. And we'd just keep driving, wouldn't say a word. And they're like, what the heck was that for? We're like, just waking the muscles up. And we just go drive and we would just dog them all day long. We'd make them lift everything that was heavy. They had to lift it. Everything that was cumbersome, they had to do it. And at the end of two days, one of two things happened. They never came back or they spent at least a year with the company. Nice. Every single time. Because our goal wasn't, it, our goal wasn't to like beat on them and make them go away. Our goal was to make them realize that, hey, stuff happens that you're not expecting but you're expected to be able to keep moving. Right. And usually on day three, I was like, Hey, you're back. And you're like, I know I'm back. Just don't hit me in the leg anymore. They're like, Oh, I won't, man. You passed. You passed. You're good. You're like, what? Like, I just want to make sure that you were going to hang when things got, you know, when things hurt, because you're going to get hurt. And I can't afford to have you go home and not come back to work for a week because, you know, you banged your thigh on a, stairwell or something you know it's like we can't have that story of the entrepreneurial journey right there right you know you, you got to keep going when things get rough when things don't go the way you wanted you got to keep doing them like podcasting you have a really really bad interview you got to keep going <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you can't just be like well that sucked i'm not going to put myself in that position again no nope. yeah. next time you're going to do a little bit more homework beforehand right and then you're just going to keep on going and those little things, those are what I, I find breeds the momentum. And uh, Hutch, Hutch was a really good buddy of ours. Uh, he stood about two foot one in, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, he, he, if you asked him, he was nine foot tall and bulletproof. Uh, but he was, I think he was about five foot two, five foot three, maybe small little guy. He wasn't the guy you hollered for the heavy stuff, but he was the guy that you trusted. If you had something heavy, and he was the only one there. You could just trust him to do, to do it right. Right. And uh, one day he, he, he did a, a humdinger off the side of the ramp, went down, broke his ankle. Oh. We actually watched him climb up in the truck. I was like, just sit in the truck, get your ankle up, keep the swelling down. I says, We're, we'll get you in. We thought maybe it was a sprain at first, you know, no big deal. Right. <laughs> About five minutes later. I look over, he's lowering himself out of the truck. Uh. Stocking foot on, one shoe on, one stocking foot wrapped in duct tape. And he, he come up, he goes, couldn't call myself a mover on your team if I didn't get back to work. <laughs> I With says, a broken you, foot. Yeah. I, yeah. I says, you sure? He goes, I'm not, I'm not going to live the rest of my days here hearing about it from you guys. Let's go. And I went, all right. Well, this is what I need you to do. We need some inventory taken on some stuff downstairs. <laughs> and I handed him the clipboard. He's like, come on. I was like, it needs to get done. I'm better off with the big stuff right now. He's like, yeah, all right. Thanks. <laughs> you know, like, nice. But it was those things. It's like he realized he learned at the beginning, hey, I'm going to get hurt. But the expectation was move forward. And he held on to that. And even when we would have said, dude, just go sit down, man. We, we're good. Like, go right. sit down. He was like, no. And I think for him, it, for him, I think it was a really big pivot in his life. Because I don't think just the way that he responded to that, I don't think he ever 
got in a position where he couldn't just sit back and be like, oh, you know, uh, it's uncomfortable. I think I'll stop. Right. But he turned into a heck of an amazing mover. And uh, yeah, it was a good guy. Good guy. But I, I love the, uh, the pattern interrupts and the preframe and how we, how we move forward with everything. Um, and so when other people are looking at the chaos and the storm going on in their life, when, when you're talking to them, what are the things that you hear that they come back with when, when they just don't seem like they're ready to take that step with you and, and really <laughs> enhance that calm and get that clarity of vision and that focus? What are their, let's face it, what are their excuses? Right. Yeah. I, usually the excuses are a very similar to something that I did when I first started selling. When I first started selling, we had to report in after every sales appointment. We had to call in, and I'm using a payphone and interrupting drug deals to do it, by the way. I'm going up like, hi, Mr. Drug Dealer. I just, can I just for a minute, please like get in here? And uh, it was it was great. I'm in the heart of Detroit or the or the middle of Southwest Flint or whatever. And these guys are guns out and everything else. I'm just like, I just need to use the payphone, man. So I would have to call in and I would have to tell my boss the result of the appointment. And in the first six months that I was there, and and this is relevant because in the first six months I made less than 10 grand and I had to, I paid to work because I worked 80 hours a week. I drove 2000 miles a week on my own time. I literally paid to work for the first six months. When I would call in, I was hoping that it was a sale, of course, right? Because then I'm like, that's a sale. He's like, great. Have a good, how much? Have a good night. Mm-hmm. I was next hoping it was a no-show. And I was like, at least it wasn't nothing I can do if they're not there. And then if it was, if I didn't sell it though, he would say, well, what, all right, what happened? And I dreaded that because I would say, well, they, they didn't, they didn't like the color. They didn't have the money. They didn't, they didn't want what we had. They didn't give me enough time. You hear a common word there. They, 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 mm. they. And I then connected through a series of events, a couple of dots that that helped me to understand that that's where I was missing, that that I'm 100% in my control. My success is in my hands. And then my responses started being, oh, I, you know, I wasn't able to connect a color to them. I wasn't able to find a way to make it affordable for them. And it was subtle to some people, but it changed my world. And I decided I would never, when I left the home, I would never lose to the same thing the same way twice. In other words, it was in my control. My success was mm-hmm. in my hands. I find the number one issue, and there are there are two or three, but the number one issue is that the that says the person isn't ready, is that they're still in the, I have no control. It's the world against me. It's other people. It's the situation that there's no, that there's not an ownership. There's not a connection. They haven't made that transition because if you haven't made that transition, it's really hard to be coachable. It's really hard to be successful. It's really hard to be outward focused and help others because you're going to let others accept that blame on the, on the world as well. That's the single biggest barrier. And I'm glad to talk about a couple others, but that's the biggest one. What do you tell those people? How do you, how do you help them move past that point? <laughs> For a long time, I didn't really know how, honestly. Like I, I, I was just like, cool. I was, it was a little bit like when I was in that beginning of sales, I'm like, oh, they're just not a fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I said, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to match the philosophy that I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and what I find 
is the, and it's the single best way to solve almost everything. I just start asking questions. I believe the single number one most valuable skill that we can develop in the world is to be more curious, to ask more and better questions. And if we learn how to ask better questions, including into the difficult things, that the that people will move themselves through the process. You see, I don't move people through any process. I share a process. I, an, I, I maybe remove some barriers. I like to say that I dust off the tracks and help you know what switches to throw, but you've got to put the coal in the engine. And so mm-hmm. I, if I can ask the questions that remove the barriers and let their engines to overcome that momentum of zero and that unlock their fear, because the blame for others, what is it? It's really them connecting with a fear of something, a fear of judgment, a fear of whatever it is. And when they start relaxing just a hair, and beginning to find that little bit of calm and it feels so foreign to them, they go, ooh, I want more of that. So asking questions, to it's like releasing the tightness of a rope, right? If you can get the rope to release, you go, oh, I start to relax. And now you go, oh, well, maybe I can untie this knot. And once they start untying the knots, now they go, well, wait, I want to I feel actual calm. And now we can start into calm, clarity, focus, momentum. But to get them ready to receive the calm, it's like the pre-step. And that's where that comes in. Hmm. I love it. So I know everybody at this point, they're in one or two places. They always are. Either they're ready to actually say, hey, I'm, I'm really interested in learning how to, uh, I love the term enhance your calm. It's from Demolition Man with Arnold, Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger, yeah. Wesley Snipes. Enhance your calm. You know, <laughs> it was a futuristic world where everybody was supposed to be calm and, you know, there was no violence. And then they brought back, you know, <laughs> Stallone and Wesley Snipes. So they're very calm, very calm, <laughs> collected, you know, yeah. uh, throwing people through windows. But um, if people are in that state and they're like, Hey, you know what? I'm not calm. I'm lacking some clarity. And my focus is like a laser that just hit a prism. Like I started focus, but then it just went everywhere else. How would they go about actually connecting with you and really having you, having you help them just get going in the right direction? Yeah, I would love to have a conversation with them. There's, I, I absolutely offer a no obligation, no cost conversation because I want to find out, hey, what's your issue? And, and, and if we can help remove a barrier that solves it in 20 minutes, then great. If we find that there's value in an ongoing relationship and we can and, and there's a support to be had, then that's great as well. But I, I want to help. And the easiest way is honestly simply to either Facebook Messenger me or to and, and I, I'll certainly accept the connections if you put the note in here, hey, I heard about this when you when you were on Chad's show, then I'll go, oh yeah, okay, cool. I, I, I know you, I'm good. Uh, or to email me at dmcpherson at leadersmustlead.com. Those are the two fastest, most direct ways. I answer every email personally, and I answer every Facebook message personally. And there are other ways, but those are the fastest. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, we'll put those those down in the show notes. We'll make sure that people have access to those. And uh, as a fun little bonus, uh, Dan doesn't know this, <laughs> but... <clears throat> We're just going to put this out. There is one person who gets an amazing opportunity, and we're going to put it out there today. And then Dan is just going to have to just suck it up, Buttercup, because that's how I deal with people who are in indecision. Be like, I'm suck in. it up, suck it up, Buttercup. You know, it, it's time to uh, to move forward, and this is your responsibility. So that's what Dan and I are going to do. To the first person who reaches out to either Dan or I, and asks and says and just types 
types us a message, sends us a message, puts it in a comment, whatever. If you put suck it up buttercup, the first person to put that in there will have an opportunity to hop on a three-way call with Dan, myself, and them. And we're going to solve your one major issue that's holding you back in your life. Done. So uh, it's, it's always going to be fun. We, uh, Dan and I can talk a mile a minute and you'll hear some awesome and amazing stories. And most importantly, you're going to go away with a changed life. So with that, I want to thank you guys all for tuning in, for joining us today. Dan, it has been such an amazing uh, blessing to have you here. But before we close off, I love to ask my favorite question. I know you've already got a pre precursor, but if you could look back from the beginning of the world up until now, and you could choose any person, lived or living, to have a meal with, what would the meal be and where would you eat it? Hmm. Well, first, thank you for having me. It's been fun. And uh, th this question, I love it. Where would it be is a little bit easier for me. It would be in Hawaii, which is my favorite, most connected physical place location on earth. And it would be within 20 feet of the ocean and, and overlooking and overlooking the ocean, probably on Oahu, but that's the, just because it's the only island I've been to. <laughs> and so it's the, it's the only one I really know. Um, and in terms of the food, I'm going to actually pick a meal that I had that has, that has a very important memory to me. When I was there, there's a Kerrallen curry at the uh, at the Kahala Resort, and in fact, they're twenty feet from the ocean, so maybe it could be <laughs> I could I could probably do it right there, and I would I would have it right there, and even though you didn't ask a thousand percent, I would have it with my mother, who I miss more than anything on this planet. Awesome, awesome, I love that. So with that, I guess I want you to think deeply on what that means. Why did he choose those places? What does that tell you about them? Go ahead, drop us a message, let us know. And above all, remember that there is beauty, there is grace, and there is greatness within you. Now go unleash that greatness in the world today. <laughs>